0: I now call to order the Shoreline City Council regular meeting for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Will you please join me in the flag salute? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, and to the republic for which
1: it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, liberty
0: and justice for all. Thank you, will the clerk please call the roll?
2: Mayor Roberts. Here. Deputy Mayor Mork. Present. Councilmember Ramsdale. Present. Councilmember Scully. Present. Councilmember Adamasu. Present. Councilmember Poby.
3: Here.
2: And Councilmember Robertson.
0: Uh, thank you. Is there a motion to excuse Councilmember Robertson? I move to excuse Councilmember Robertson for personal reasons. Second that. There's a motion and a second to excuse Councilmember Robertson. Is there any objection? Seeing no objection, I declare her excused for personal reasons. This brings us to approval of the agenda. um, If there are no objections or comments, the agenda is approved by unanimous consent. And
4: next on the agenda is the report
0: to the city manager. Mr. Ellington.
4: Good evening, Council. As you know, we're in the process of updating our surface water master plan with continuing goals of cleaner streams and lakes, less flooding from rainstorms, and a city ready for climate change. We're planning our projects through 2030, and we wanna know what is important to our residents. We have extended the survey period through January yes, January 31st to give people more time to provide their feedback. Please take a moment to fill out the survey by visiting engage.shorelinewa.gov forward slash surface water. A reminder that the 2024 environmental mini grant application is open through January 31st. We're offering grants of up to $5,000 for projects that have a positive impact on our environment and community. We are prioritizing projects that help prepare shoreline for climate change, reduce waste, protect natural habitats, and reduce fossil fuels. Learn more and submit your ideas at shorelinewa.gov forward slash environmental mini grant. Registration is now open for our annual spring home improvement workshops. Join us at City Hall on March 26, April 23rd, and May 21st. Each workshop will be from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Reserve an appointment with a technical reviewer to help with questions regarding your house, property, land uses, and streets, along with city requirements and permit information. To schedule an appointment, please visit shorelinewa.gov forward slash home improvement. We're also hosting a vendor fair on each date. No appointment is needed to attend the fair and meet with local designers, contractors, green building professionals, and more. And finally, our next public meeting on the calendar is the parks tree board meeting on Thursday, January 25th. Visit the city's web calendar at shorelinewa.gov forward slash calendar for meeting agendas and information on how to participate in all of our public meetings. And that concludes the city manager's report. Thank you. Are there any council reports this evening?
0: Deputy Mayor.
5: Thank you, Mayor. I attended the Solid Waste Advisory Committee meeting, and one of the things we learned is is that King County generated 50,000 less tons of waste in 2023 than they did in 2022, which I thought was a good thing. I was starting to talk about rates. Um, it's unclear that they'll be able to, that they won't have to increase the uh, rate percent even more than they did last year, but they're really trying on it. And they're also working on construction and demolition debris fees. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Any
6: further council reports? Councilmember Scully. Thank you, I attended the Lake Ballinger Forum, which has become an informal body, which is the right thing to do. It's a great chance to share information about the health of that watershed. And I also attended my last RIA 8 meeting, and I'm delighted to hand it over to Councilman Pratamasu. It's a fantastic way to learn a lot about uh, the state of salmon in the northwest, most of it depressing. Thank you.
0: When I was on Raya 8, they talked about the progress that was being made. So, um, I would like to, as the Councilmember Scully alluded to, I want to formally make the following appointments. Uh, for the Planning Commission Interview Subcommittee, it's uh, Deputy Mayor Mork and Councilmember Scully and Pulby are going to serve on that committee this year. Uh, for Raya 8, uh Councilman Adamasu is going to serve as the member from Shoreline, and Deputy Mayor Mork is going to serve as the alternate. Uh, for Lake Ballinger Forum, I guess if it's informal, <laughs> we may not need formal appointments, but to, to the extent that it is a formal appointment, uh Councilman Biscoli will be the member, and Deputy Mayor Mork will be the alternate. For Racer, uh, Council Member Ramsdale is going to remain as... Uh, our member there and councilmember Robertson is volunteered to serve as the alternate. For the Seashore Transportation Forum, Councilmember Pobey will remain as member and Councilmember Ramsdale will serve as the alternate. And for the Sound Cities Association Public Issues Committee, uh, I'm going to serve, continue to serve the city, I will say for the last two years, <laughs> uh, since I've now served on that will have now served on that committee since two thousand. 13, I believe. So I am going to say this is the last time I'm going to ask to serve on this committee. Uh, And Councilmember Scolia will serve as the ultimate. And uh, we also have uh, opportunities to participate in K4C and deputy. I really want to thank Deputy Mayor Mork for being the not the official representative, but the uh, a good representative for from Shoreline on the for that committee, and all council members are encouraged to participate in that as well. Okay, so next on the agenda is public comment. Uh, This is the portion of the meeting where members of the public may address the City Council on agenda items, or any other topic for three minutes or less, depending on the number of people wishing to speak. And I believe that we did actually change that, so now the public comment needs to be for on city business, not any topic generally. Uh, the total comment period will no be no more than 30 minutes. If more than 10 people are signed up to speak, each speaker will be allocated two minutes. And Ms. Ellencheck Smith, how many people, how many individuals, have signed up to speak?
2: We have six total this evening.
0: Okay, so everyone will have three minutes. We'll start with uh, in-person speakers first, and then remote speakers second. When it's your turn to speak, please state your name your City of Residence, and any organization that you represent.
2: Okay, so this evening the three in-person speakers are Teresa Richards, Angela Thuralt, and Amanda Pleasant-Brown. If you would like to line up at the podium.
0: Welcome.
7: Good evening, Council members. I'm Teresa Richards from Anchorage, Alaska with Black Brant LLC. Sorry. Um, I'm commenting tonight about draft ordinance 999. On behalf of the tribal members I represent, I again ask you to listen to the stakeholders and your constituents. Please pause and press for full answers before continuing down a path that threatens to disrupt transit access for community members with disabilities and worsens the financial harm that the city has already caused our Native members, Alaska Native members. We do not want to bring additional lawsuits in order to get your attention, but the city has harmed us and it continues to harm us and we are running out of options. I want to clarify for you responses to some of the important questions you asked at the last meeting two weeks ago. Councilmember Ramsdell, based on his experience as a social worker, voiced his concern about impacts on disabled adults. Councilmember, those staff have tried to wave away your concerns, you are not mistaken. This action is risking grave impacts on transit access for disabled adults. Metro has been very clear about this. Please heed what they are saying. Deputy Mayor Mork asked about the timing of the enforcement action. Deputy Mayor, though staff deflected your question, the record is very clear that the enforcement action was timed together with the moratorium to drive the Metro access use from its site. We received notice of the potential enforcement action in a letter from city staff on the same day the city enacted the moratorium. There can be no dispute on the sequence of events that shows the city's actions are aimed at one goal. Staff also told you at the last meeting that they knew of no agreement related to the sale of the property. That response was carefully worded and did not tell the whole story. We have been clear with staff throughout the process that this tribal organization absolutely lost a needed property sale as a result of the city's actions on this site. I can personally vouch for the fact that we were deep in negotiation with Metro on a PSA and had agreement on the main points. The deal was real. We ask that you do one of two things tonight. First, I've submitted one short draft amendment called Amendment 1, which would allow you to phase in the new regulations and clarify that your new fleet-based regulations are not intended to harm tribes or transit riders with disabilities. We request you include this amendment in the legislation, which would preclude the ongoing enforcement action, allow Metro the time it needs to move from the site, and allow us an income stream supporting the sale for future mixed use development. Amendment one would be a minor clarification to your proposed development regulations. So it should not require environmental review, submission to the State Department of Commerce or a separate hearing. We expect staff may advise you against the amendment or say more process is needed, but we believe you absolutely have the power to adopt it tonight. We do not think there is any reason the council can't clarify the intent and the scope of the ordinance through the amendment, but in case you do not feel comfortable with adopting it at this late hour, you could simply extend the current moratorium by 30 additional days and direct city staff to work with us to incorporate the amendment in the legislation. We implore you to stop the punitive targeting of this site and these services and direct staff to work in good faith with Metro, the site's trouble organization. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Ms. Thiralt?
8: Going to take a minute to get set up here.
0: Whenever you're ready. Thank
8: you. Can you hear me? Great. Hello, good evening. My name is Angela Terio, and I am a deafblind person. I live in North Seattle. I wanted to talk about that access facility on the agenda tonight, and I would, am requesting that you leave it where it is. Most, many of the people here are have privilege in regards to transportation. They can drive where they need to go. They could take the bus. Able-bodied people is what I'm speaking of and they could ride a bike or take a scooter. Many different options are available to able-bodied people, but for some disabled people they or people who have illness, they do not have the same privilege and they depend on the access vans to get to where they need to go. They are a very valued resource. If the facility is moved, It will impact those people trying to get to their jobs on time, trying to get to appointments, possibly medical appointments on time, possibly they go to church or other religious events. So imagine if you, you know what traffic looks like here in Seattle. It's terrible. Very congested. If the van had to come, vans had to come through downtown Seattle up to North Seattle to pick up people with disabilities to get to where they need to go, that is not acceptable. People that have disabilities already have challenges, so I'm asking you to keep the location of the vac access facility and not have disabled people suffer. So many people have privilege by not having the challenges that disabled people have. It's very frustrating and I don't want to see that those people have to go through this challenge. And I thank you for your consideration.
0: Thank you. Welcome.
9: Thank you. Good evening, Shoreline City Council members, Mayor, Deputy Mayor. My name is Amanda Pleasant-Brown, and I live in Seattle. I am commenting on behalf of King County Metro on Item 8, Ordinance 999. King County Metro reiterates its commitment to providing paratransit service to North King County riders and beyond. Metro remains concerned about the development regulations and the enforcement action at the current facility. Our facility needs have not been resolved. This means our access program faces market uncertainty. You have heard from members of the access community. They rely on and deserve the same transportation access and freedom of movement that many of us enjoy. I ask that you imagine what happens to access riders if their rides to critical appointments are delayed or must be scheduled due to your actions here tonight. I also direct you to the letter submitted this afternoon. It outlines Metro's specific asks. Do not pass these regulations, at least not tonight direct your staff to come back to the table to find a mutually agreeable solution. Doing so can ensure we avoid a costly legal process. In addition, we support the amendment Black Brant has offered here tonight. It allows us to continue to work together to find another location for the current access facility while you move forward with your code amendment process. As our letter indicates, based on the needs discussed with city staff in November, and as Metro understands the development regulations today, there is no viable alternative for the current acts of facility and Shoreline. The number of parcels that meet both the development regulations as proposed and Metro's needs as we understand them is zero. I offer, that's a violation of the Growth Management Act. I offer meetings with Metro to all of you and staff to understand Metro's needs and plans. We also offer to listen to your vision for the Ridgecrest neighborhood. Let's take the time to find a solution. Public service is difficult and land use is too. Competing interests present and future uses, changes to political players and economic context and property rights are all held in a fine balance. But this facility and access services are being improperly weighed. We need to right the ship outside the adversarial process we currently have. Metro is ready to continue to engage. Do not pass these regulations tonight, or pass them with an amendment as posed by Black Brent, knowing we we have much more work to do together. Thank you for your time.
0: Thank you. This brings us to our individuals who have signed up remotely.
2: Yes, Christina Savinsky is first.
10: Thank you, Mayor, Deputy Mayor, and City Council members. My name is Christina Savitsky. I'm from the Ballinger neighborhood, and I represent this area in City or County Council for the Access Paratransit Advisory Committee. I have been in that spot representing the shoreline area for the last four years, and. When I read that there's no direct financial impact on the city what about the individuals that will lose their jobs because they can't get to work on time because access vehicles are running late or access is unable to get to those individuals that will be a direct impact on city services and increase um, financial um, dependency on social services for me I have was an adamant access rider during COVID and I wouldn't have survived had there not been the access van. If I lose access services or if I miss appointments, I will then start relying on our fire department to come and take care of me and get me to appointments because my health fails. And that is what happened before I got into stable healthcare. Access helps me get to those appointments, helps me get to college to finish my school and helps me get to the school to represent my kids my daughter on special education access has been my lifeline and it is part of my direct financial impact and i also want to say that um you know, access is, is fundamental for our 2,220-ish peoples, as well as Furcrest. There's a lot of individuals with disability at Fircrest that rely on access to get around to various job training programs, et cetera. We need to keep access as um, robust and on time as possible. And moving the vehicles down to Bellevue, Kent, White Center, you know, that's gonna take an hour or two hours Additional time that you know, if there's traffic, it could affect me getting to a doctor's appointment or my kids getting to school, etc. And so, I am asking you to follow Black Grants' ideas and put them in place, actively participate in mediation, come together with Metro. I even suggested to Metro the shoreline area in Ballinger that the um, shoreline vehicles use. I said, Why can't we throw some access vehicles there? You know we need to come together as a city but our individuals with disabilities that are in shoreline need to keep access on time and as robust as we have it and if you vote on this today to pass it as it is we're going to have problems with that and we're you know it's going to deeply affect citizens like me in shoreline who are disabled and that's very unfortunate because shoreline has a very high population of group homes who rely on access services to get individuals where they go so i want to again thank you very much for the opportunity to speak and i am your representative on the access paratransit committee
0: thank you
11: Okay. Next is Prem Subedi. Hi, my name is Prem Subedi. I'm 80. I I can't believe I turned 80. I'm even only 89. 99 for today. Today your life would be unbearable. It would be. It would be bad for everyone. That's what you're asking people with disabilities to do, which it cause is not bad People with disabilities have no option other than using access to go to a school, job, a man, all. I- Academic is people, not a people. It's a better with people with low income and good. We know People with disabilities tend to find that to get I to work with you to not degrade as it is, ability to solve North, not, not the Shoreline, but North Seattle and not the King County. I also use to wipe with cc to, uh, to work with matter to come as a result that will benefit both parties. Thank you so much. Thank you.
2: Next is Derek Blackwell.
12: Hello, this is Derek Blackwell. Uh, I live in Shoreline near the Madeira Project. I saw my neighbor, Courtney Ewing, a few days ago who said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't join you on Monday, so I have a commitment then. Um, Sure, go ahead and read my emails to city council. Uh, you may recall receiving a series of emails from concerned residents in september and she's an engineer by the way Uh, She writes we have engineering standards for a reason city municipal code 203290 allows for deviations quote where there are unique circumstances relating to the proposal unquote and also if quote such deviation will not mean material materially detrimental to the public welfare or injurious or create adverse impacts to the property or other properties. The applicant's request for deviation from code for their driveway placements proves that the proposed design is too big for this lot. This has been stated numerous times, both verbally and on paper through public comment of the applicant and the city of Shoreline by dozens of neighbors and Shoreline residents. The applicant's circumstances are not unique. The applicant was fully aware of this plot of land with no access along the Eastern perimeter And yet they designed a building that maximizes the footprint of this lot. Now they want the city to approve of their deficient design that does not fully meet the code or intent of the code. First deviation, Southern driveway. The applicant has requested the city to reduce the minimum driveway spacing requirements from 40 foot spacing per section 11.3 of the EDM to 25 feet and 11 inches along Linden Avenue North. This is a reduction of 14 feet, one inch, or 35%. Their requested deviation is not even close to what the code requires. Second deviation, Northern driveway. The applicant has requested the city to reduce the minimum driveway and intersection spacing requirements along arterial streets from 75 foot spacing per section 11.3 of the EDM to 25 feet and nine inches along Linden Avenue This is a reduction of 66%. Their request is nearly one-third of what is required by the code. And aside, this, by the way, is the one planned garage entrance, dangerously close to the corner of 179th. Back to Courtney. The applicant and the city of Shoreline know through public comment that there is an elementary school bus stop on the southwest corner of 179th Street and Linden Avenue North. This driveway deviation is a safety concern for the children crossing Linden Ave and North 179th Street and should not be approved. I will be back next week to share the second half of Courtney's email. Uh, Thank you so much for hearing us and thank you for all you do.
0: Thank you. Are there any other individuals in the audience who would like to address the council during public comment? Seeing none. I will declare public comment closed. The next item is approval of the consent calendar. Do we have a motion to approve the consent calendar? Deputy Mayor.
5: I move approval of the consent calendar.
0: Second that. There has been a motion to approve the consent calendar. Uh, Will the clerk please call the vote?
2: Mayor Roberts. Aye. Deputy Mayor Mork. Aye. Council Member Ramsdale. Aye. Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember Scully? Aye. Councilmember Otamasu? Aye. And uh, Councilmember Robertson is absent.
0: Thank you, so the motion passes six to zero. Thank you. The next item on the agenda is action item 8A. Will the clerk please read it into the record?
2: This is action on ordinance number 999, which is amending chapters 2020, 2030, and 2040 of the Shoreline Municipal Code to establish permanent regulations for major and minor fleet bases.
0: Thank you, and I believe Kate Lee is here for the staff report.
8: Welcome.
13: Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and Council. I'm here to present this um, item, Ordinance Number 999, Major and Minor Fleet Bases. So, some background on this item. In July 17th of last year, the City Council unanimously adopted Ordinance Number 991 which enacted an emergency six month moratorium that prohibited the city from accepting, processing, and or approving all applications or permits for any transit bus bases and individual transportation and taxi facilities while city staff could further study these uses. On August 14th, city council held the required public hearing on that ordinance. In September of last year, staff conducted research into other cities in King County and how these two uses are regulated in those those cities. On October 19th, the Planning Commission discussed this item and on the 16th held a public hearing. On December 11th, City Council discussed the Planning Commission recommended permanent regulations and raised several questions and concerns. The permanent code amendments were tentatively scheduled for action at the January 8th meeting However, staff requested that potential action on the permanent regulations be taken instead tonight and that the emergency moratorium be extended for 30 days via ordinance number 1004. On January 8th, the city council unanimously adopted ordinance number 1004, which extended the moratorium for 30 days. At the December 11th council meeting, council members had questions regarding the proposed major and minor fleet based development code amendments. And these are listed on the slide. Staff responded to these questions at the meeting and there's more detail in tonight's staff report. There was no direction from council for any changes at that time. Before I go into the proposed uh, code overview I just want to make it clear that any uses that were legally operating prior to the moratorium would be allowed to continue that use as they would be legal nonconforming uses should these amendments be adopted tonight. The proposed amendments are shown in exhibit A to attachment A to the staff report in legislative format where additions to the code are underlined and deletions are shown in strike-through text The language is based on research conducted by city staff and input from the Planning Commission. The definitions for fleet-based major and fleet-based minor are added. The difference between these two uses is the size of vehicles stored, repaired, and dispatched from the site. The definition of transit bus base is deleted. Additional decision criteria are proposed for the two uses. There are five decision criteria. Intended to ensure appropriate siting and limiting impacts on the surrounding areas where they would locate. Minor fleet base is proposed to be a conditional use in the community business and mixed business zones and a special use in the R districts, R4 through R48. Major fleet base is proposed to be a special use in the R zones and community business and mixed business zones. The transit bus space use and individual transportation and taxi use are proposed to be deleted from the use charts. Here is a potential motion for council to consider in approving the ordinance tonight. And that's all I have for you, thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, Can you go back to that slide?
6: and this council members call move to adopt ordinance number 999 amending those chapters of the shawing municipal code to establish permanent regulations for major and minor fleet bases second
3: so that. thank
6: you council members thank you a lot of bridges got burned tonight i'm very disappointed in what metro had to say and what black brand had to say i don't appreciate being bullied i don't appreciate being emotionally manipulated and i don't appreciate dishonesty So we have tolerated for over 10 years, the facility that is not in compliance with our code in a neighborhood where it does not belong. And we have been over backwards, extending the period of time that facility was allowed to operate. We have been over backwards, trying to find an alternate location in shoreline. Nothing about this ordinance bans transit access. Nothing in this ordinance has anything to do with the operation of the buses. That is Metro's problem, not ours. What this ordinance does is says we've had enough. We've tolerated this facility that does not belong there. We've tolerated the fact that Metro was not willing to provide us with parameters so we could find an alternate location. We've tolerated a lot of comments that are simply so off base for what this does that they are not effective. So I will be delightfully voting for this. I'm gonna pass along to Councilmember Dambowski what's happened here. This is not how you affect legislative change. This is how you burn bridges and create enemies.
0: Thank you further discussion I,
14: I have a question for staff um, on the 10 acres for a special use permit for zones R4 to R48 um, why was 10 acres chosen it seems rather large
13: yeah it's to allow the continuance of the north base um, that property assemblage is about 12 acres and has direct access to I-5 so that that language is crafted to allow that to continue to be a, a legal use there and not a Nonconforming use but a, a legal use because it would be allowed under the current code also should they Pursue to expand it through a special use permit So it the 10 acres isn't a minimum. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a minimum at least 10 acres so the current so, sites over over so,
14: that. So for a a minor fleet base of thirty less than thirty feet,
1: just ten acres seems no. a bit large. That's that's not for a minor. That's for a major. Okay, what's for a minor then? It,
13: it's, it's for both. It, it, it's intended so that um, if they wanted to aggregate those two uses at the current north base, they could do that. It would allow for both the minor and the major to exist at one site. Um, they could do that through vertical expansion with some kind of parking structure. They could do that with horizontal expansion through land acquisition. That would require a, a comprehensive plan amendment and a special use permit, but it's possible.
1: If I understand your question correctly, are you asking that for a minor, whether they have to have 10 or more acres? Correct. And the answer is no.
14: Because the way I read it, it, it seemed to imply 10 acres minimum for both.
1: It, I, I believe that's only if they're combined, but I will defer to Kate to explain.
13: It's it's for both. It's because these are our zones. These are residential zones. So um, while the impact okay. of a minor fleet base with vehicles under thirty feet long wouldn't have much of an or as much of an impact in like the mixed business or community business zone where you would expect. Higher intensity commercial land uses, it would be allowed there as a conditional use, but in the R zones, it would only be allowed as a special use because again, those are the residential zoning districts. So, looking at compatibility with the surrounding um, land uses,
1: I misunderstood. So, you're talking about a special use permit as opposed to outright,
13: right? Um, okay. The- so, so
14: outright, is there a minimum acreage?
13: These two uses are not proposed to be allowed outright in any zoning district in um, the CB and MB zoning districts. If it's a minor fleet base, it's a conditional use permit. That's an administrative approval where there is public notice and public comment, but there's no public hearing or hearing, you know, public hearing before hearing examiner, or city council. Um, and then it would be a uh, special use in these residential zoning districts. Yeah. so
14: ten acres minimum correct?
15: For for minor or major, major. So. correct okay. thank, you. thank you councilman Renzo thank you mayor um, I do appreciate on uh, the staff report that uh, you did um, mention that King County Metro currently owns um, several sites within uh, shoreline that would be a per- that would provide um, um, the ability for those access vans to be to be parked. I haven't really heard much of a, of a reason why from Metro uh, why why um, none of those three other uh, sites that were mentioned in the staff report would be um, unworkable. And I'm from could you do you have any kind of sense from your discussions with Metro on why those three sites are unworkable? I just like the the what I've the, what I've received from Metro and the letters i received from Metro don't explain why. So. Um, Um, seems as though 1.75 acres um, uh, that that Metro owns by the Aurora Village Transit Center, why can't they use that? Um, Shoreline Park and Ride, there's 5.33 acres. Why is is that not a a workable solution? Um, uh, It sounds like the Metro North Base is not going, is not, there's not not a lot of capacity for for more bus parking, but it seemed like the other two would be viable options. And I I just haven't heard a, a... a, a reasonable um, or believable reason why that why that's un- unworkable, and I do appreciate the staff. Uh, you know, did point that out as um, uh, to other um, uh, you know properties that that Metro currently owns that could be used to to park those vans. So I think it's a little bit um, um, uh, dishonest that that uh, we are told that there is no uh, no other option in North uh, North King County that. That, that would accommodate those the 100 access vans that, that uh, Metro Access currently has. Thank you. Yeah, so my question I, is, I, do I you have any insight on, on what,
13: what? I can't speculate to, to the reasons, no.
0: Any further discussion? Okay, seeing no further discussion, I'll call for the
15: vote.
2: Councilmember Member Ramsdell.
15: Aye.
2: Deputy Mayor Mork? Aye. Councilmember Scully? Aye. Councilmember Otamasu.
8: Aye.
2: Mayor Roberts?
8: Aye.
2: Councilmember Poby? Aye. And Councilmember Robertson is absent.
0: Thank you. The motion that motion passes six to zero. This brings us to study item nine. Nine uh, a discussion of ordinance number 1005 fee schedule for transportation impact fees And I believe we have a staff presentation uh, Jeff Raker and Natasha Walters are here to present the staff report and we ha- I believe there's a couple others online Who are able to take questions? Yes? Welcome.
16: Yeah. Hi good evening. Uh, can
0: you hold off and tell them yeah. you have a mic? <laughs> <laughs> ready
17: to go uh-huh
0: usually
16: the loud
17: voice I don't have to the loud
0: voice voice works for us it's the people (laughs) who want to online (laughs) yes listen to this online later or even for the city clerk who may not capture everything that's said
16: certainly um so yeah jeff Riker. uh good evening mayor and council uh, and before you regarding our transportation impact fee program Um, this is the third sorry, sorry this is the We've had three previous discussions at Council in July, September, and October regarding this, uh, the TIF proposals related to our fees assessed for um, uh, transportation investment that keeps up with and supports uh, development in the city as part of the TIF program. Um, the Council discussed uh, in detail a number of issues that then were addressed by its city staff. And took action on Ordinance 998 in November, November 13th. Uh, there's also a related action associated with the TIF fees. Ordinance 995 um, addressed the um, inflation adjustment for the previous TIF rates. And tonight, you're before we're before you to discuss um, Ordinance Number 1005 with action scheduled for February 5th. Uh, There's also associated staff training as the effective date for the proposed TIF rates would come into effect March 15th, so they've been undergoing some training in regards to the uh, TIF program and and concurrency efforts related to it. Um, So what is adopted and decided by council was ordinance number 998, um, which adopted the 2023 rate study and maximum allowable rate for each land use based on an updated project list. was also adopted along with the ordinance. Uh, Additionally, there was a adoption of a reduction on TIF in the city's high activity areas at 15% to recognize that those areas are, uh, have less trip generation impacts um, as they're in areas that were more transit rich. Uh, and to address uh, concentration of growth and, and sort of, it serve as an incentive for that um, alignment between transportation and land use. Um, we also maintained the existing exemption for low-income housing. So that was at 30% of uh, the expenses for households earning 60% of the median family income for the county. Um, did, uh, conducted some revisions to the business exemptions to align with cap- uh, climate action plan. Um, and those are sunsetting set a sunset on that for 2025 and then there was an additional exemption uh, listed in ordinance 998 uh, for early learning facilities as well as administrative and housekeeping amendments um, so th- there was a set of 19 projects that are TIF eligible projects that have been adopted um, at a total value of around 393 million dollars these are projects that help fulfill concurrency standards in the city as well as um, uh, fulfilling the transportation vision in our transportation element. Uh, proposed ordinance number 1005 amends the fee schedule of the transportation impact fees. Uh, so, it's an adoption of the 2024 TIF fee schedule that would be become uh, effective uh, March 15th. It repeals the uh, TIF fee schedule that was adjusted solely for inflation adjustment um, in ordinance number 995 and the rate schedule is available as Attachment B, Exhibit A in your packet. Um, Staff want to emphasize the importance of uh, our TIF program in, as a primary source of revenue funding for our transportation projects and supporting expected growth. Uh, There there is also an indication that these, the new rates assessed and collection results in, um, sorry, as part of this proposed Ordinance results in collection of similar TIF for similar SIZE projects. It's largely bringing us up to date on how we assess that trip generation and assign cost to it. Um, so staff recommends adoption of the maximum allowable rate listed in the 2023 rate study. Uh, there are a set of key projects that TIF funding is connected to uh, that we're committed to. It's 175th corridor and 148th non-motorized bridge projects. Uh, the, we are assuming in our commitments that, that TIF funds will resource those time critical projects uh, as well as um, uh, uh, projects on the TIF project list, and any reductions uh, due uh, any additional reductions will jeopardize the city's ability to implement these and other projects. Related to discussions that have been had on senior housing and a possible rate reduction, um, there was a listing of the single family senior housing rate at 3,282. There's now added to the rate schedule a number of um, additional codes for different types of senior housing with lower rates. Um, and this is an appropriate uh, rate level for these types of facilities. Uh, I'll Also note that senior housing remains the lowest among all of our residential housing types. Um, and we're aligning with uh, practice, uh, the international Transportation Engineer Practice. Um, So no action is required tonight. It's a discussion item only, Um, and uh, we expect to uh, for council to consider passage of Ordinance Number One Zero Zero Five on February fifth. And uh, I guess my final point is just to indicate that you know staff is recommending that we stick with the maximum allowable rates on these land uses. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And this is a discussion item. So anyone would, anyone wants to start with this discussion? Council Member Okay, hi.
14: Thank you for your explanation. So the number of homes to be built, new single family homes is probably very low. In the city of Shoreline for
16: the future. I'll check with my staff but, around me, but I, I assume that is correct.
14: Yeah, so so there was a significant increase in, in the TIF rates for brand new single family homes that hadn't existed before. So there was a significant rate increase, but considering probably not too many homes are going to be built. That's probably not going to affect the the bottom line of the TIF money that's that, needed.
16: Could that you? is that's the assumption. Is yeah.
14: So, so let's look at the multifamily, which had a, a decrease in, in all the levels. Um, is that going to be enough money for the bottom line since that's where all the housing is going in? That's where our future, when you look out, how many units are going to be lowering that rate like was done it, is that going to be enough money for our transportation future I,
16: so w- one thing I'll indicate is that the I want clarity on reduction when it kay. comes to the multifamily okay. rates so the rate that was in prior um, uh, our par- prior fee schedule relates to an, an older version of the trip generation manual um, that is okay is, is so it was the former on, correct trip versus person and, and so when we receive a rate at that level for projects of a certain size they are we trigger over 20 trips um, gets a trigger to do transportation impact analysis which then allows the city to assess the impacts with the developer, in uh, and uh, ensure that there are additional developments in uh, investments by the developer as well as um, sort of transportation um, management strategies that um, might address any additional impacts. Um, and so the fees are assessed um, often at a lower rate than the published rate. Okay, so
14: you're you're confident in your calculation. To, to the first that, okay. question,
16: yeah. To the first question, okay. uh, we're we're confident that yes, we will have funds to yes. fund okay. the transportation <laughs> projects. Okay. Yes. Okay.
14: Okay. <laughs> okay. So it, there was an exemption for certain certain items, low income housing, one other things. Um, what I've heard a lot from is seniors who want to stay in their home and age in place, things like that. Um, New families either buying in Shoreline. So um, sometimes there's naturally occurring um, low-income housing that's not quote wouldn't fall under that exemption. So then if someone wanted to build an ADU, a detached ADU to help keep them on their property instead of having to move out of the area um, there's four different multifamily housing uh, breakdowns it'd be under 220 then
5: yes and
14: and not the others in, yes, in your tables so, so Okay, why did you pick 220 of the four levels?
16: So low rise um, multifamily housing is equivalent to the middle housing um, that is in state law. And they are requiring that we set our rate for that type of housing at half the single family rate or below. And so it has been set at that half of the single family rate.
14: Is there a reason why you didn't choose or below?
16: All those rates relate to the trip generation estimates. So uh, they're assessed according to that. That's the one exception where there was an adjustment based on the state law.
14: Yeah, I'd want to look at could it be a little bit lower? Like, does it have to be half? Considering a a lot of ADUs are going to be under a 1,000 square foot versus a unit that a might be reduction. larger I, I don't know just setting it at a maximum
0: i just
14: would like to hear what people think about that
0: thank you uh council Popey.
3: thank you mayor uh, so at the last presentation i had expressed concern 19 projects fantastic but we still need these funds about 300 plus million to be able to fund those and now, what we're doing is giving away, is the word I used the other time. And I'm confused because in business, we look at the trend. Now, we're looking at the market, we're looking at the housing trend. Are people still going to build a lot? Or must we give so much to attract people still? And what I'm seeing is well, it's like uh, demand and supply in economics. We have to give. This much a way to attract this many people or developers or whatever to be able to match up in completion of these projects. So it, I'm still trying to settle within my mind why are we giving so much away? Why can't we just pilot with a little than to give such huge um, incentives away without even knowing what the future holds or not factoring in the current trend?
17: So I think we're trying to strike a balance. We, we are aware of trends. And so where we're looking at that, it's there's different, um, there's, and we, I know we've talked about there's re, there's, there's different factors out there economically. Um, to repeat what Jeff said, the, by having the maximum, you're still providing that incentive because we're still trying to encourage it. It meets a lot of our goals, whether it's climate or um, multi, use provides more density, more walkability, those types of things. So it meets a lot of our goals. But it's that sweet spot, so to speak, at the maximum rate to allow that, while still allowing us to move forward on those critical projects. So we're trying to balance. And we are aware of the economic situation to the extent that we can be.
3: (laughs) Thank you. I was just, I know um, City Manager has said the other day, we don't have a lot of something in the toolbox i wanted to quote you on that but it, it, it sounds like we are too <laughs> what is that a lot of tools okay in the box yeah and it, it sounds like we are too restricted and giving so much away and i'm just wondering why but i'm still trying to digest thank you thank you Mayor. thank you councillor scully yeah thank you two two related questions so
6: For starters, I basically support this. I think it's great. Um, Given that we've passed 998, which which enacted some significant changes to this program, my first question is what happens if we don't pass this? I mean, what's what's the result if we don't have a new rate system based upon person trips? And my second question is, given that we've passed 998, can we fiddle with this now? Can we say, hey, I, I don't like that senior housing is that high. I'd like to reduce it or does that undercut some of the changes we've made
16: in 998? Uh, For the first question, if you do not pass this on February 5th, I believe what would happen would be a retention of the current inflation-adjusted rates. Okay. um, From Ordinance 995 that were set. Uh, To the second question, uh, this is a maximum allowable rate. Um, You have the... um, opportunity to set reductions from that maximum allowable rate. Uh, Staff is not recommending that in order to ensure that we're committed to these transportation projects. All
6: right, so I I appreciate that, but we we would have less funding available, but we wouldn't undermine any of the other parts of the It does not trigger a reassessment of the rate study, for instance. Thank you. I I would appreciate it if staff could come up with some recommendations for reducing the rate on the senior housing. that, that, to me, seems to be an area where we need to be subsidizing it in any way we can, including through programs like this.
15: Thank you. Any... Council Member Thank you, Mayor. Um, I'd just like to reiterate uh, Councilmember Member uh, Scully's comments on reducing uh, the TIF rates for senior housing. Um, I do, you know, looking at the four um, definitions of senior housing, I do appreciate that you kind of Go back kind of teased out different types of uh, senior housing and um, but i um, for example like what would a, if somebody wanted to turn a single family home into an adult family home like would that be would that be susceptible to a tiff rate because we have many many adult family homes in shoreline so um, and I think the last thing because just I and mean, I know that the need is great the need is going to be greater so um how you know uh, what where does that fall in in these four categories i'm still i don't know it's senior housing single family or congregate care facility i'm not really sure where where that would fall under i, I
16: don't want to fully speculate but i i do not think that it would re, retain the single family senior housing rate. it would likely trigger congregate care facility rate
11: okay.
17: Yeah, I I don't know. If, I'm not remembering if you clarified this. The single family, I see Kendra. The single family, single single senior housing, single family rate is identified there. Maybe Kendra can explain, as part of what she's going to respond to, what that is now because it is different than what it was before, as well as explain what we currently have, most typically, and what we do not expect to see in the city.
18: Yeah. So your question about converting a single family. Home into um, an assisted living care facility, we would uh, be applying, yeah, more of the ITE two fifty three rate, which would be um, dependent on how it's being measured. It's typically based on the number of beds, and so it kind of depends on the size of the facility and how many how many people are expected to be housed there in terms of that that rate. So it would be. Or not in terms of the rate but in terms of the outcome between the comparison between single family and the the new use so i it would be difficult to speculate i guess in, on that basis um it doesn't tend to represent um it, historically and it, it shouldn't change much if if at all i wouldn't think uh it shouldn't change the outcome you know to overburden those types of projects um when we're talking about ITE to 251, a lot of and to set the context too, a lot of what we are doing here is simply catching up with current industry standards. And so, since the time we adopted TIF back in, you know, we, the study was set back in maybe 2014 or 13, um, the ITE has expanded uses, um, provided more nuanced uses, and so what was available at the time that it was set was fairly flat. You know, there was not a lot of nuance there in terms of the senior housing. Uh, facility types. Now we have an expansion of that. 251 now looks very different than it did back when we said it. It it looks more like um, a whole planned community with multiple acres and uh, you know a, a recreation facility and people living in individual houses and perhaps getting around on golf carts and that sort of thing. A, a very different kind of style of of housing than we would expect to see here in Shoreline just based on land availability in general. So. Um, yeah, while I can't provide you with a, a perfect speculative um, uh, example, I, I would say that it's uh, not going to be significantly different than it is today.
15: Yeah, um, um, apologies on, I think I meant to say like adult family homes and there is like a a limit on adult family homes of of six um, uh, inhabitants in that home. So uh, there are a lot of adult family homes in Shoreline and uh, the need will be greater and I assume that there'll be more adult family homes in the future. And, and and the limit is six um, for adult family homes. And they're typically ranch hat style homes that, that are then converted into um, a 24 hour, uh, seven days a week uh, care facilities with usually one or two staff um, on board. So um, I, that's, that, that's kind of where I'm getting at in terms of, it. and I, I think that, you know, C- seniors in shoreline are are at a greater proportion than other other um, cities um in king county and it's one of the fastest growing populations demographically in king county and i think that um, you know i i would like to, us to be uh, cognizant of that and, and not to create increased TIF rates for um that type of a, um, a facility just
17: Thank to you. clarify are we kendra if you could assist with this Are we increasing the TIF rate for what we're referring to? So I'm I'm
18: actively trying to pull up stuff in real time to address this question, but I might need to follow up later because my my um, trip generation application is not participating. And
17: I know we also have Kendra Brayland, the other Kendra.
1: Yes. Hello, council members. Good questions. Um, I can speak specifically to the adult family home. Um, I don't think there's a specific rate in the ITE that speaks to that, but we could look at that. Um, just from personal experience, having a relative that lived, has lived in an adult family home, um, I think there could be a good justification. It's not really substantially different from the single family home that it tends to be cited in. So it's, in my mind, unlikely that conversion of a single-family resident to an adult family home would result in an impact fee payment. Um, but that's just kind of speculation at this point.
17: So we can verify if it, re- if it results in a payment and we can confirm if it's a reduction over existing. Also, why I have you both there, in terms of if we maintain the ordinance 998 and do not adopt the current one, we take the existing rate, the twenty twenty three rate, and adjust it for inflation. But we are updating the ITE codes, correct, in the formula.
18: Okay.
1: That is correct. Just want to double
18: check. All right. Um, I was able to kind of do a quick check, and yeah, I think the assisted living with a six bed uh, kind of maximum would still be less than a single family rate, based on what I'm seeing.
15: Um, the assisted living facilities are different than adult family homes, um, so I think in, I'm sorry. Yes.
17: Yeah. I, I meant to say adult
15: family home. Okay. My right.
17: Thank you. Is. Does that answer your, your request? Is there a request?
15: There? Yeah, I guess a request would be, you know, what will there be a, a TIF rate for uh, a single family home uh, converted into an adult family home?
17: Will there be a TIF rate for a single family home converted and to adult? So wh- yeah, what I'm
18: trying to clarify is that the rate for a single-family home would exceed that for six-bedroom or for six beds as part of an adult family home, and so they would pay no TIF in that conversion.
15: Thank you. Okay.
5: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Deputy Mayor Mark.
5: Thank you. Uh, this is this whole program. I so appreciate the focus on the environment. And Trying to get people walking and doing other healthy activities and having growth pay for growth And I really support this program and I thank you for bringing it
0: Thank you before we go to another round. Uh, I have a couple things. Uh, so just to clarify um, If there's no development in Shoreline over the next Period of time we will the city of Shoreline will receive zero dollars in TIF payments
17: correct if there is zero development in the city of Shoreline this is your answer I'm sorry I'll be quiet yes
0: the only time we actually see any kind of TIF payments to go to these 19 projects is if there is development in the city new of Shoreline new development, and new added, development. Added
17: right which we are on the, the same property we're seeing yeah.
0: happening right right yep but i mean if if nothing else comes into the queue then we're not seeing any, we would not see additional dollars i see a nod if, in the back nothing, so yeah. yes i
17: mean beyond what
0: we currently have in a queue correct yes. right. so in order to i mean so if we want to, in my sense if we, since we're relying on these dollars to pay for some of these projects that are necessary for growth, and also meet some of the safety needs within the city. We would have to, want, and we would want to, and it also meets our comprehensive plan mm-hmm. and our vision for the city, mm-hmm. we would want to see d- development to come to the city. Yes. My second question is just for clarification, and I think we talked about this last time, um, if these, um, Rates are adopted every year as part of the budget process. They're readopted every year as part of the budget process. They are, they are only adjusted for it, inflation. Adjusted for inflation. Yeah. But we have the opportunity at that point every year to look at them and to make re- changes. And um, we could. I mean, it's not, I, we haven't ever, but we could adjust them every year.
16: Yeah. It, it, it triggers a significant amount of. Work if you're to assess a new rate study, um, and, and to establish that each year would be pretty significant. Right,
0: I'm not saying adjusting the rate study, but, but I mean, you
17: could you could you could reduce you could move it around the rate. Yes, yes. you could. Yes.
0: So um, with that, I mean, I, I really think I'm looking at sort of development patterns in the city, in the region, nationally, and I'm seeing that there is a slowdown, um, and a relative. I mean we can decide whether it's a big slowdown or if it's a um, significant slowdown. But I I see slowdown in development occurring. I hear from our development community and from watching discussions at the state legislature that impact fees are one of the big drivers in terms, or at least a big driver in terms of where individuals will decide to look at projects, and I look at the fact that our neighbor to the south does not have any impact fees and does not have transportation impact fees. In fact, their council I mean, had an ordinance before it at the end of last year and decided not to adopt an impact fee, fee ordinance. So compared to if someone was looking at trying to develop just north of 145th or just south of 145th, all things being equal, I mean, they have no impact fee, we have an impact fee. And so I do support what the staff has recommended as an alternative to funding at the maximum allowable rate and funding at the 80% rate. I think that um, along with all the other um, adjustments that are being made, uh, I think sends a signal to the business community and to the development community that we do want us to continue you to continue to look at Shoreline as a favorable place and as a welcome place to to develop. And I think all by reducing the overall rate, we do. I believe we do have the. We would be reducing rates for senior housing and and everything else from from ADUs to even single family homes uh, by having setting the rate at 80 percent rather than the maximum allowable rate. I may be the lone voice for that, but I do continue to support that uh, that uh, rate. And so I'll go around again. Councilman Yeah, I
6: have have a couple of questions on senior housing, but just in response to that, I I appreciate that. I don't know if you'll be the lone voice, although it may be your turn. (laughs) But I don't, what I'm seeing in development patterns is that the single family market rate are going for very high prices. And I don't have a problem adding a bit of extra price onto that. What I want to make sure we don't have is the unintended consequence of making the housing types that we're really short of even scarcer. So I I do want to mess with the numbers as much as possible to make sure housing overall stays affordable, but mostly that stuff like senior housing, we do everything we can to keep it affordable. My question about senior rates before was based upon this chart here, and based upon some of the staff's conversation about whether we are actually increasing or reducing, I'm now thinking maybe I don't understand this chart. So what I'm reading this as is, you've got senior housing, single family, IT 251, current inflation adjusted TIF rates is 1,901. I assume that's because that's the same as any house,
16: right? if there's no no distinction, right? No, so this was a rate in a prior trip generation manual that the city relies on. We are bringing ourselves up to date. So the trip generation estimates, based on a new set of senior housing criteria, so different coding, um, has certain trip generation amounts. So when you look at the single family ITE 251 rate, it's actually an outdated mm-hmm. number. Like the code itself is not representative of what it is now. And so this is an update to to reflect the variation in these different senior housing categories, as well as reflect the, the trip generation estimates that bring us up to date on the most updated trip generation okay. annual. So then. Yeah. It, it,
18: in fairness, if I may, it, this is, uh, impossible to understand because it's comparing apples to oranges and compared compared to how we used to so the old table doesn't really relate well to this new table if that makes sense and i know it's not explicitly clear here on the slide but um it, so it, it makes it hard to to kind of tie back to our existing practices and in, in that respect so
6: so I'm not I'm not sure for our voting purposes whether we need to fix this, but I don't understand this yeah. So what my, my next question is okay fine, but you're down the next line We've got senior housing multifamily NA, mm-hmm. which I read is zero, but that's probably it's not in our fee it's, schedule that's It's what, not in our fee schedule So yeah. would that mean if I go in and I say I'm building senior housing multifamily? I'm gonna build an apartment building. That's 55 plus my TIF right now would be zero.
18: No, no um no it it means that we would have required a tia which is true of most of the multifamily types of facilities anyway uh now and in the future so it's a (laughs) this is a very complex and nuanced um discussion that's very very difficult to convey sort of how things were set in 2014-15 how they're currently practiced today in terms of how tias are Constructed and and kind of negotiated between developers and the city, and then ha- what we're proposing to do here. We're primarily proposing catching up to industry standards, which is what we're already doing through the TIA process, and will continue to do. The existing the the main place to scrutinize, I suppose, would really be the um, adult family home the, that that uh, yeah. Councilmember Ramsdell was pointing to before. Yeah.
17: Just to clear and just to build off what Kendra Dodinsky is saying, because I understand, I think what you're saying is we've changed codes, but 2014 is different than what we have now. But if you looked at the green and the orange, that's what we have now, which, as we said before, is significantly less than the other rates. So, it, so, if you compared it to single family and other rates, the, the, senior, the senior housing, multifamily, congregate care, all of those, if you look at the green and the orange, are pretty low. Um, we but they didn't exist in 2014 but so we're trying to show you what they would be now and we have those other tables that we've shown that show in comparison to other types of housing how significantly lower they are and being significantly lower they hopefully are an incentive to have those types of housing developments occur in our city because they are so significantly lower It's, it's as apples and oranges yeah trying to to trying to show
6: the so I think I understand or I'm confused a different way, which I okay. think is the best I'm going to get tonight. But I, I would like to use this tool to encourage senior housing as much as possible. Yes. And I'm fine if the TIFF is zero for, for senior housing. And I would appreciate some options on on that.
17: Okay, so look at senior housing and look at potentially exempting TIFF.
6: So I don't want to reinvent the wheel on 998, because we had these debates before. Right. I, I don't want to go to zero on that, because we discussed this, and we decided as a council we weren't going to do that. So I, I would like some options on that, and then I, would, I will probably move to amend to reduce, but not to go to zero, because again, I want to respect that previous okay. decision. Thank you. Any
5: further? Deputy Mayor. <laughs> I'm confused, too. <laughs> If I have a adult, if I have a single-family home that I'm converting to an adult-family home with six beds, it's it's, I got the home, I'm converting it. Am I paying any TIF? The
16: the answer is no, according to what Kendra Dudinsky was telling you, <clears throat> because it has the same trip generation rate.
5: That's that's, it,
18: that's I- it has a lower trip generation rate, and I oh, think lower, sorry. yeah, possibly uh, yeah. There there isn't a, a comparable. This table doesn't tell the full story. I suppose is is what I should say. Yeah. Um I hear what you're saying, and I think that um, this this table is is again not. T- telling you all the information you need to know to contextualize the adult family home style care facility, if that so, makes sense. So, um,
5: so, so let me phrase it slightly differently to make yeah. sure I'm understanding. If I built a new structure that was a adult family home where none existed previously, is that where I would pay the $1,969 or the 1674 Yes. Thank you.
0: And I think I have one more question that may, uh, on this adult family homes. Is it a requirement that an adult family home operator has to tell the city of Shoreline that they're operating within the city of Shoreline?
17: I would think so, yes.
0: I do not no, believe that I don't think, so. think uh, that I
17: don't know how about that we can find out I don't have the answer we will confirm
0: because I, th- I do believe that adult family homes are not required to tell the city of shoreline mm-hmm. that they're operating okay. and so if it would just fall under single family it would still remain single family in terms of what we understand what the city understands it used to be so there would be there is no conversion <laughs>
18: <But> <laughs> at least that's from correct. the city's perspective yeah, there's no know, conversion there's, yeah Unless there's a permit involved, the TIF does not come into play. That is correct, yep. If
1: if I may, I would just like to add one little bit that maybe will help clarify this table a bit and what the updated rate study is attempting to do. Um, One, it's updating the rates, to tie it to a new project list of projects that um, the city is very committed to that are high priority. The current rate study doesn't tie to that list of projects, and so it funds an outdated list of projects. So that's important to keep in mind. Um, the new rate study simply brings some newer rates. We work closely with staff to make sure that we're introducing different land use categories that are typically used in the city. And quite honestly, that might help some developers not to have to do a tra- traffic impact analysis um, it might reduce that. That's expensive for developers. So it makes kind of the amount that um, anyone developing a property um, have to pay um, a bit more predictable. Um, and then you know just in terms of providing these categories or providing more choice, um, just you know to make that more apparent, what they pay, and also to base those rates really on Um, a more modern, updated understanding of what their impacts are on the system. So why do we have more categories than we did before? We have better data, so we have a better understanding of how certain uses impact the system. We just know more simply than we did 10 years ago. So um, any of these uses, these developments that we're talking about, even if it says NA in this table, um, they would be paying an impact fee today um they would just have to work really closely with the city's team to figure out that amount and so this updated rate study hopefully makes it such that um there's less less coordination less study needed um and it's more apparent to those developers what they're going to need to pay
0: any further discussion yeah
1: councilmember could you put up the
14: the chart with the 220 uh
16: Oh, sorry. With two twenty.
14: Okay, so the the state law says no more than half for for an ADU. So so you said that would be under two two two? Two two zero. Or or wait a minute. More. okay. Okay. Okay, two two zero. So mm-hmm. Why, since it might be smaller square footage, would you not want to put it in 221 or 222?
16: The, the trip generation for low rise multifamily is assessed as a higher amount of trip generation because there, the density is actually a benefit to uh, alternative transportation, transit usage, and other things like that. So that has an impact on uh, the rate here. Okay.
14: Um, I'm just trying to bring seniors in here because, knocking on doors, a lot of seniors want to stay on their property. Mm -hmm. Age in place, they do not want to go into assisted living somewhere. They want to stay in Shoreline on the property where they've lived for decades. So I'm just trying to make it, how can we make that affordable to them to have a rental ADU on their property, new use, new building, um, so they can stay in in their home. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's $400 a square foot, is that $5,400 going to affect in addition to all the other permit fees? um, It can start to add up over time for a very small build and prevent people from even wanting to do that, and I'll just move to Arizona. <laughs> so, I don't know. Is there, is there anything in the calculations for, for ADUs? It could be a, another column, or?
4: Mayor, what I would recommend is that in addition to looking at the adult or the senior housing rate, that we analyze this as well and then come back to you with that information. Okay. Thank you. Um, I don't think they're prepared to answer that at this okay. and you, point tonight.
14: Great yeah. job. This has been a big learning curve here. So thank you.
4: Councilmember Scully.
6: Thank you, Councilmember. That is a great point and one that I hadn't thought of. So I'm wondering if a senior-based exemption might be the way to do it. So that rate applies unless you qualify for this program, just like City Light rates apply unless you qualify for the senior Program, So I'm not, that, that's just a thought. So however you want to implement that, but, but I think that point is well taken that if we're trying to preserve senior housing, it shouldn't only be institutional housing.
0: Any, any further discussion? Okay, this is scheduled for action on February 5th and this is, will not be coming back as a consent item. Uh, I would recommend, I look to the city manager, when would you like amendments in for this? i didn't say it (laughs) i did
4: hear tomorrow out in the audience Um, with that
17: yeah that that, yeah soon
0: (laughs) um as soon as possible so uh, by the end of the week at worst or as soon
4: as possible by the end of the week please no later than
0: i did hear some discussion here today about some sort of amendment around senior housing um a discussion around ADUs or senior exemption and a at least an alternative for what what it would look like at eighty percent versus the maximum allowable rate. And if but if there's any further amendments, uh, please get them to city staff. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks. And with that, this meeting is
6: adjourned.